Welcome to What Are You Bringing to the Table? This your girl Sylvia, she, her, and hers. Hello, this is Tori, she, her, and hers. We are back, episode 15 of season 2. I'm surprised you even remember because I was just about to say, I don't know. <laughs> like, this whole, this whole stay-at-home orders and the days just blending <laughs> with each other. I feel like, you know, I'm in Alaska where they have nothing but six months worth of nighttime. Like, I know. I feel like uh, um, I was telling someone, I feel like I'm two months behind because we started staying home in March. Yeah. So my time stopped in March. And now it's pretty much the end of June almost. Like right. next week is the end they're, of June. They're starting, yeah, they're starting to open stuff up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm, I don't want to. This is a time to stay at. This is when stay at home should have been happening. And here's the thing is that I was talking to someone about this earlier today is re, reducing restrictions does not mean the fucking virus is over. The virus right. still exists. You can still get sick. You can still get other people sick if you don't know if you had the virus. So I want to talk about masks. I want to yeah. take a moment to talk about masks. Um, wear your fucking mask if you're going to go to the store. Wear your mask if you're going to be in indoors with other people at a store. Or, I mean, where else are you going to go? I guess some people are going to restaurants. I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Um, but if you're going to go out shopping, wear a fucking mask. And... I was, the person I was talking to lives in Portland and she said that she was in Southeast. She said, oh yeah, you know, well, people, I go to the store. I do notice people wearing masks. Da, da, da. I said over here in Vancouver, it's like, it's like the virus is over. It's like it never happened. I went, I, I go out and I don't go out a lot to go do things, but I went out to the store the other day cause I had to get some stuff and I would say I was definitely in the minority when it came to wearing masks. Uh, well, if you saw anything regarding this, uh, fool's, uh, rally, <laughs> did you see any pictures with people wearing masks? Yeah, let's talk about that. So, no. In fact, when we were watching some of the coverage, um, you know, they're, they're, they are on the, on the, in the stands, you know, the audience, they were waiting for it to start. And so they had, you know, people sitting there and, in this just little section of the screen that they were showing, I quickly just counted, just counted heads, and yeah. I counted 35 people, and one person was wearing a mask. Uh, you see? And I would say that it was probably, it might have been more, you know, like 50 to 1. Like, th there were people getting in line, like, standing in line, waiting to get in, all crowded, back to back, next to each other, touching each other. No masks. Not a mask in fucking sight. That's why, that's why we have people wearing masks and others not. Because this administration has been nothing but wishy-washy 
uh, about this whole virus. They've perpetuated this. Uh, it's a uh, conspiracy, mm-hmm. a Democrat conspiracy. Um, then you heard that fool talking about how, and I tell my people, don't don't test anymore. Then we won't have any more new cases. Yeah. I'm like, you... And then they have to come out to say, oh, he was just joking. No, he wasn't joking. He wasn't joking. Not joking. You're saying he's joking. How mm-hmm. come he ain't coming out to say I'm joking? Exactly. No. So, no, he wasn't joking. He's very serious. This is his thinking. Let's stop testing. That way we can say no more new cases. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he even said um, he made a freaking guffaw. Um after his, you know, dud of a rally, which um, let's just name that there was around 6,000 people there, a little over 6,000 people in an arena, arena 20,000. And they had also set up an outside area for overflow that obviously didn't get used. Because <laughs> supposedly they were expecting a million people. <laughs> like, where the... F- well, where the hell do you think you're going to get a million right? people? Where, where, if any in his head that he thought that many people would come to his rally? Thank like, you, TikTokers. You, I mean, thank you, you thank you, Generation Zoom. Um, <laughs> because they rallied and got people to reserve tickets and knowing full well they were going to go. Like, again, they, th- this was the most, I mean, it was just put a smile on my face. And so afterwards, he made some sort of comment about how he had told his people to slow the testing. Yeah. Like, he came out and said it. Now they're going to have yeah. to clean that up. Like, oh, he didn't mean that. He didn't. Well, that's you know. why they came out and said he was just joking. Ugh, God. That, that's, you know, that's the, uh, that's the norm. He's just joking. Yeah. Don't be joking. We got people that have died from this virus, and you joking? This is not a subject to be joking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm like, and then when they had, they moved the rally. That's the other thing. They moved the rally the following day. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's talk about like, why they moved it. They moved. Well, at first they weren't going to move it. Right. Regardless. Right. Because right. it fell on Juneteenth in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the history of the site uh, of the Tulsa race massacre. Yes. 300, say 300, um, well, Juneteenth is the anniversary of the freeing of the true freeing of all the slaves because for two years, for two years, slaves went not knowing that they were free. Like there were there were yeah. places in the, and particularly in Texas because it was one at that time one of the remote areas of our country. Yeah, and so there were there were slaves in Texas for two years went for two years without knowing that they were free, and then so to have a rally first on Juneteenth. That is egregious enough. Then to have it in Tulsa, which is the site of the uh, what was known as Black Wall Street, which was a race massacre. And it started just like similar to the Emmett Till situation where uh, a black man allegedly did something to a white woman. I don't know, spoke to her. I can't remember exactly what. And it just started this whole spark. Part of the problem was... They don't want people of color. They didn't want, ever want black people to have wealth. And so what had happened in Tulsa is that black people were building up wealth. They were building up businesses and owned property. And they fucking destroyed it. They fucking, like, right. over 300 people killed. 
massacred. Yeah. Mm. And of course, initially within history, they called it riots. And it's just recently been shifted to the terminology race massacre because it was a massacre. Wow. So, yeah. So he has he has this fucking rally scheduled on that day. Only to finally change it to to the next day, claiming, you know, oh well, yeah, we want to honor. Fuck you. Yeah. You didn't give a because shit. At first, he, at first he, he was didn't give a uh, shit. saying we're not changing it. Yeah. That he, was their first position. He didn't give a shit to begin with. No. Someone somewhere in that campaign said, "Look, you're just gonna have to do that. The optics are bad. Move it. They don't fucking care." They no. didn't fucking care about and, that. And here's the thing that I'm like, and not one person on there said, uh, well, and that kind of tells you already that not one person said, dude, that's Juneteenth. You can't do it there. Yeah. Let's, we're not planning it there. Mm-hmm. But because this is one of the reddest states, mm-hmm. you know, he, they probably were like, yeah, let's go to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Tulsa. I mean, the fact that Oklahoma allowed and permitted a potential rally of, you know, even a hundred thousand people, right? It's a red state. Like, that's got to show your level of fucking ignorance. It's a red state. Yeah. I just, I mean. That's the problem. That's why we had people out there in Michigan drinking poisoned water. (laughs) Because. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They don't fucking care. They don't care. And so it's not a surprise to me. You know, at first I was like, what kind of idiot? I think is, what is it? DeSantis? Is it DeSantos? Who's the... No, isn't that... That's Florida, right? Oh, who is it? Oh, Harry. Let me look it up real quick. But, you know, but he's one of them... Yeah, as you look it up, he's one of them, uh, you know, rah, 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 rally around Trump. So I'm like, is it really that bad? Well, I mean, it must be. It must be to allow to allow permits for that big of a gathering this soon after opening. Right. Mm -hmm. And then say, hey, we got it covered because these people are having to sign a waiver. Right. Yeah. What the hell is a waiver? Kevin Stitt. Yeah. I'm like, what does a waiver, if you get the damn thing, you're out there in the community giving it to other people. Those people didn't sign a waiver. Exactly. So I don't care if these people signed a waiver. They're going to give it to kids, to coworkers, mm-hmm. to, you know, everybody else. Give me a break. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And now he's planning the next one is in August in Florida. Which is also another anniversary date of a um, uh, racist attack on people who were sitting at doing the sit-ins at lunch counters, and I think it's called the hatchet, the hatchet attack or the hatchet handle. Basically, they they got attacked with the uh, axe handles. They got oh the shit beat out of them because they were doing a you know a so peaceful good. protest of sitting in at lunch counters. So don't tell me. That this isn't by design. Don't tell me that this isn't in Stephen Miller's fucking playbook. That fucking white supremacist motherfucker who's in his campaign, who's in his cabinet, who's just pulling. I mean, this this is this is planned. This is planned. Oh my goodness. Well, the only the only saving grace I see is young white 
kids out there marching, mm-hmm. getting beat up by their white, angry, frothy mouth, mm-hmm. you know, uncles, grandparents, mm-hmm. mamas, daddies. Yeah. You know, and they are like literally out there. Yeah. And and they're wearing masks. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the thing. Right. Like, that, that that's the thing is that. They were showing, uh, you know, when I were watching this fucking news co- coverage of the thing, is they were showing the Trump crowd, and then they were showing crowds of protesters. Protesters overwhelmingly were wearing masks, the majority yeah. of them. And then Trump, a few. A few in between here. And I saw this one video caption or something like, what did they put all the black supporters in one uh, in section? One did you I see that? that too. I thought the same thing. <laughs> Even before that, they were out there dancing and stuff. I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of people of color in one area because, you know. Maybe it was I segregated seating. It is the right. Trump rally. I, and that was the only section. <laughs> I, I was, you know, I, I was like, okay, I guess you got the little chocolate morsel right there amongst all that white dough bread. Yeah. Well, and not to mention how, how many of those could have been actors. Because did you see the the article about um, they had posted on Craigslist looking for actors? Shut up. I didn't see that. Yeah, there was a post on Craigslist looking for actors to attend a rally. And they're particularly asking for people of color. Shut up. I sw- the, 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 the ad got pulled before, by, you know, before the rally. But yeah. Yeah. Because there's already been, you know... Uh, indication that that's what they do is they hire people to come in, which is not unheard of. I mean, the fucking politics have been doing that. Politicians have been doing that for since the beginning of time. Wow. Yeah. So well, how come how come you didn't get? So maybe order? all those folks sitting there dancing were like, "Fuck this, we're getting paid to be here." Celebrate. I didn't see no. Um, <laughs> I didn't see no. What's their name? Stormy and Silk or <laughs> or. <laughs> Or the other, uh, the other uh, housemate up in there. Who? I don't even want to say her name. The one Dave Chappelle. Uh, oh, Candace. Ugh. Yeah. Fucking. I don't hell. even want to give her time, but I'm just saying. Are they? I, were they at the uh, rallies? Which, by the way, did you know? I saw uh, uh, earlier that Candace Owens, when she was 17 had requested help from the NAACP because she was being discriminated against or something. Oh, can you... Uh, you, Let me see if I can find that article. article? Yeah. Because this is exactly why she needs to be called out. Yep. Uh, You know, and I was thinking about that because there's some other people that... And I'm, you know, I'm married to a white dude. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know. Um, Taking one for the team. He, uh... He's learning... You know, I got to give him that. He's learning, although it's easy for, you know, him to be upset, mm-hmm. you know, when things go on. But it because of his privilege, you know, he gets to kind of walk away from it. And so this gave us an opportunity to really kind of talk about it because it was like, you know, when this fool got elected, he saw how upset I was. Mm-hmm. And I've always been, you know, upset. And and I want people to understand, I'm ups- I'm upset with this idiot in the office 
not because he's Republican. And that's what these idiots want to make it sound like, oh, it's just because he's Republican. Mm -hmm. No, I don't care about your uh, position on health care. I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't care your position on whether you're pro-life, whatever. What I do care about is uh, a loss of dignity, Mm -hmm. um, oppression of uh, that, you know, that uh, certain people should be viewed certain ways that we seem to be going backwards as opposed to moving forwards. And this idiot doesn't know how to bring people together he just knows how to divide right and uh you've seen it also in like his shows the apprentice this is what he does really well Mm -hmm. um and that's not what that's not what a leader is and we need a leader we need a leader to be able to really you know come down on a position that is look you know that looks at the country as a whole not a select few Mm -hmm. um and you know so this my position on that fool has nothing to do with the politics of an issue it has to do with him as a person Mm -hmm. his character his idiotic thinking his uh, lack of morals and he's the one with the emperor no clothes and yet everybody's oh fine clothing you have on it's like dude Mm -hmm. he's freaking grossly naked and i see it (laughs) cover up (laughs) you fig leaf i don't want to see that ever that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying like i'm just like totally disgusted with it but yet every people that is like ew i was on uh facebook with unfortunately a uh uneducated uh person and i say uneducated because their stance was i read the history book and i've gone to museums um, <laughs> that's what your post was about <laughs> yeah that, that's the extent of your education is your high school history books and your visits to museums right yeah you know like okay all right girlfriend yep and, well, it's funny you should talk about that because I was uh, um, I, I took a page from a friend of mine um, who had posted. She said, from now on, um, before she gets into any discussions with people about this kind of stuff, is she's going to ask two questions. What's your level of case- education? And then what training, books, articles, research, obviously validated research, um, or documentaries have you watched to educate yourself around this issue, specifically around yes. race? Because yeah. I'm like, I'm sick of fucking having, it. like, someone fucking posted some shit on mine. Not too bad, but because yeah. um, I had said, you know, I had posted something about defunding the police doesn't mean abolish the police. It yeah. means, you yeah. know, re- reallocating funds, da 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 And so she, you know, made some fucking ignorant comment about how, oh, yeah. Oh, because, oh, no, it was, yeah, don't de- de- defund, because we've been defunding the schools forever. And right. her comment was, yeah, yeah, look how they look how they're doing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so let me try to. I was feeling very mindful that day, not angry. And so I said, well, you know, tell me a little bit more about your comment because, you know, I'm reading it and I'm making up certain story about your comment. So please expand. And then she went on to how, like, 
um, oh, it doesn't matter what schools you go to, they're underfunded and over uh, classes are too big and da 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 da, which we know is not true because that doesn't happen in rich schools. Like, you know, and right. so instead of like going into it, I literally just did that. I said, you know, I would like to know what trainings, da da da, you've gone through around learning about disproportionate um, treatment of people of color. And because I said your comment seems very general and also not accurate. Right. So if you could let me know before I engage in this conversation. And then I posted a little uh, um, video uh, from YouTube. It's a really good video, actually. Very simple, uh, explaining systemic racism. And because one of the things yeah. they talk about it is school funding and how, you know, poor schools, which usually end up to be schools of color, have less resources and all the other things. So... Um, but yeah, I feel like that's kind of where I am too. It's like, don't come at me if you're not going to come at me with some facts. Right. Well, there was somebody else that had posted, you know, those little copy and pasty. Yeah. Things. Oh God, I hate um, those. Oh, I'm not. Lord. How come I can't say I'm white and proud and not be called a racist, but you could say you're black and proud or brown and proud and not be called a, you know, just a diatribe of idiotic stuff. And yeah. one of them was, um, how come, how come uh, there's a black Miss America and you'll never see a white woman, you know, go into the black Miss America, you know, <sighs> and it was all part of this little diatribe yeah. of, of just propaganda, really. Mm -hmm. just, just nothing but propaganda. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, black and brown people, they get, they get, you know extra is basically what they're saying they get extra which is not what we're not what's happening we've had to create spaces like black miss america or you know whatever affinity groups because every space is white dominant and white functioning well and they and were, we're not included in those other yeah, spaces they were excluded yeah not even not even uh Put in your application and right. take a look at it. No, you were excluded. Yeah. So, so I responded to her and just with a few, you know, just with a few things. And I was mm -hmm. just like the labels. Oh, she was like, I said, the labels of being Mexican-American, Native American, those were given to us. We didn't say, right. hey, I'm this. You gave it to us to ensure that we knew our, our position. Yep. Because she was saying, how come, uh, oh, that little thing said, it's. It doesn't. I'm not white American, but you guys are Native American, Black or African American, Mexican American. We're just considered American, like we don't say white American. Yeah, but it's like you said. But we there weren't the ones given. that decided that that had to happen. Right. You you had to define African American, right. Mexican American, Asian American. Right. And then I said and. I said, I could go on. I said, that whole Miss America thing, I said, it started in 1921. Miss America came out in 1921. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until uh, 1960, 70, where they first allowed the first African-American woman to be in it. Yeah, so shortly after the Civil years, Rights Movement. They had 50 years worth of all mm -hmm. white Miss America. Yep. And you bent out of shape? Yep. 50 years of just it being exclusively you? <laughs> and you are bent out of shape because they started a Miss 
Black America, right? 1968. Mm, why can't I have some too? I'm just like, <laughs> but but that's the propaganda that is fed into people that don't have a clue yep. of what's going on. Exactly. They just see it and they're like, yeah, how come? Mm -hmm. how come? That makes a lot of sense. Why can't I be called white American? Mm -hmm. Why am I not just you know, why aren't we all just saying we're American? Ugh. I, you know what? I'm like, I wish I could. But guess what? As a microaggression all the time, hey, do you speak English? Yep. I don't like saying, yes, bitch. I also <laughs> speak Spanish. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Those no. You don't see me as American. Mm -hmm. You see me as an immigrant and you don't even know my history, but you see me as an immigrant. Yep. That's it. See you know? me as, see as other, as not belonging here, yes. as foreign, as enemy, as so many other things other than who you are. American. Right. Yeah. Now, if the presumption was, oh, yeah, she's American, then you're right. We wouldn't need to be African-American uh, Mexican-American, Asian. We, we wouldn't need any of those. But you yeah. don't see us that way. Sorry, boo. Mm -hmm. You don't see us that way. Mm -hmm. No matter how many ways my dad kept saying, I'm American. <laughs> boo. They don't see you that way. Nope. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, yeah. son. That's not how it works. So, yeah. I've <sighs> had to cut people loose. I've had to cut people loose. Yeah. It's like... I can't keep doing this. I just, I can't, I can't. I can't educate you. We're in 2020. Like, you get to choose. Yeah. You get to choose. And and especially if you listen to this podcast at all, we've given plenty of resources. So, you know, you can uh, go and help other people understand. We can't right. do it all, people. No. <laughs> no. Ay, ay, ay. Well, should well, we get into some actual stories this week? It's been a while since we've done anything like that. So, like format, yes, but I do have some what's, what's updates. updates. Hold on, let me push the button. Hold on. Okay. Wait, what is your what's update? All right. Should we take a break? Should we take a break? We're only 25 minutes in. Let's do the what's updates and we'll take a break. Okay. <laughs> um, let me go ahead with, hold on, hold on. See, now I got... Oh, oh so you okay. so you really were just wanting a break so you could get organized. Well, I had because <laughs> you now, weren't but ready. I had something else up there on you know because it was going to be a story to talk about too. Um, but anyway, this one is. Do you remember we did the story on Ti? Yes. Uh, who came out? I can't remember on which show. Who's was like? Yes. Ever since my daughter turned blah blah blah, I've been taking her to. The gynecologist yep. every year to check, make sure, she, you know, her her uh, hymen, hymen was intact. intact. Yeah. Yeah. So this came out June's and I think she was how old at the time when he said I outed her, I think 18 or something. Uh, She was 16. Well, she he, he said since her. since she was 16 and it was I mean, how old is she now? Well, she's 18 right now, but I think he did it last year. He outed her out. Yeah, I don't year. think she was 18 yet. Well, she's 18 now. Okay. So this came out, um, The Sun. It's like kind of inquire, but mm -hmm. 
this is because they do have a show, right? T.I. Yes. his family has has a show. Yes. So it's all video recorded. So mm-hmm. it's not like the sun, like the Inquirer, where they're just giving you right, right, you know, yeah, speculations. So um, this one is uh, T.I. Oh, uh, embarrassed T.I.'s daughter. Deja, 18, breaks down in tears after dad said he took her to gynecologist to check her virginity. So T.I.'s daughter broke down in tears after news broke that her famous dad took her to the gynecologist to check her virginity. The 18-year-old admitted that it was embarrassing and that she felt it was unfair she had to go through the embarrassing procedure while her brothers were praised for having sex. Didn't we talk about that? We did. So she confirmed it. She confirmed it. Through this week's episode of T.I. and Tiny, Friends and Family Hustle, Deja discussed with her cousins just how embarrassed she felt when her father revealed their yearly doctor's visits in an interview. She first discussed how it felt when she first saw the topic trending on her social media while family was on vacation. She said in a confessional interview, things are completely uncomfortable for me right now. We're all together in this house, so I have to see my dad and be around him. And we're in a foreign country, so it's not like I can leave and get away. I'm scrolling on Twitter, and I see that I've been tagged in a post, she added. The only word that I saw was gynecologist and didn't even need to read the whole title because I just knew. My heart sank, very shocked, hurt, angry, embarrassed. Her cousins who were eating with her while her father was only a few steps away noticed how uncomfortable Deja was and decided to talk to her about the situation. She told them when asked how she really felt about the situation. I mean, honestly, I'm embarrassed definitely for sure. I'm trying to put it in the back of my mind so I'm not really thinking about it. I know it's not healthy. Her cousins then questioned her if it was true that he still went to the gynecologist with her to make sure she was still a virgin. The 18-year-old confirmed that he did and further said that it has definitely been going on since I was 14 or 15, and it's not like I can say no. What? Three women then discussed the T.I., then discussed, the three women then discussed that T.I., whose real name is Clifford Joseph Harris Jr., held his sons to a different standard than his daughter and said he even jokes with King about becoming a baby daddy. The teen then emotionally admitted that her relationship with her father changed after he commented on her sex life. This situation is just a little traumatizing for me, she told them. I need more time to figure out what I want to say, but things are completely awkward and uncomfortable between me and my dad. Prior to all of this happening, our relationship was pretty decent. But after all of this, it's changed, honestly. Back in November, then they go into, you know, how he told his fans that uh, he goes, you know, he takes Mm -hmm. the girl to the gynecologist. Um, And then, uh, and yes, not only have we had the conversation about sex, we have yearly, this is his comment, Yes, not only have we had the conversation about sex, we have yearly trips to the gynecologist to check our hymen. Initially, podcasters Nazanin, Mandy, and Nadia Moham believed the American was joking until he went into more detail about their annual visits. Um, so then he you know, goes more into that story. Yeah. In here, I know I 
thought, oh, and then he go, you know, then it talks about what the doctor had said, hey, you can do, you know, uh, how you can uh, break your hymen doing certain activities. Right. And he was like, she don't do none of, basically, like, all she does is lay, lay around the house. Right. She don't do none of them things. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, he told Jada Pinkett Smith on an episode of Red Table Talk, first of all, I came to clear up any misconception there have been surrounding how we parent and what is appropriate and inappropriate. I think all of this comes from a conversation I was having in a very joking manner, but the daughter just confirmed you weren't joking. Why would you, you joke? Do this. Yeah. Why would yeah. you joke about that? Right. Because he does it. That that's why, you know, this is again, that whole mm -hmm. uh, same thing as Trump. Oh, he was just joking right. about not yeah. testing. Um, so he says, uh, he was joking in a joking manner when asked how I deal with parenting in this day and age from a place of truth. He, uh, I began to embellish and exaggerate. No, cause girlfriend, she already confirmed yeah. that that's exactly what you do. He also cho told Jada that he had never been in the exam room when it happened and that the exam happened only when she was 15 or 16. You see, it don't, he's lying it don't matter. Like you did it. Like. He, but he's lying still. You know, the daughter is saying, yes, it started when I was 14 or 15. Right. And it's a yearly thing. Exactly. And, it, so, and and even if he wasn't in the exam room, he questioned the doctor. He told the doctor that that's what she was there for. It wasn't like she was there for a pap smear to make sure everything was good. No, he, yeah. was, he took her to fucking literally to do that. Right. And so then it goes on to, uh, you know, how he could he was has been trying to apologize to his daughter for you know i don't know what he's apologizing for that's the that's the other thing like i don't know the girl already told you it's embarrassing yeah like i don't if first of all you went and told everybody yeah now everybody knows my status yeah and also you're you treat me different mm -hmm. than your sons right like how come how come that's different? Right. Like, what about it is different? Fucking misogyny, man. Right. Fucking toxic masculinity. And I'm like, I just, I mean, and that's why I, somewhere in this article, I know she was talking about just how uncomfortable getting the exams are. And mm -hmm. we had also talked about yep. that. Yeah. Like, and we brought up, you know, facts of, hey, if you're a virgin, you don't need to be getting, right. you know, these types of exams. Mm-hmm. You know, we even went into how, how often you should even get an exam. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are. They're very invasive. They're uh, uncomfortable. I almost feel like, well, I mean, I feel like that's a, it's almost a form of sexual abuse. We talked about that, yes. Like... To, like the, the doctor should have said, I'm not, I'm not going to do right. this type of exam simply because this is what you want. Mm -hmm. That's not okay. And, it's and she, and like, she's procedure. saying she didn't feel like she had a choice. So right? there again, like, even though at age 14, you can consent to your own type of medical care. Like you, you have to, you can go in and get medical care, but right. What she's saying is that she didn't feel like she could say no. So nope. there, therefore, you're being forced into a procedure mm -hmm. that is invading your genital area. And how is that not some sort of offense? Isn't that what Nasser did? I mean, <laughs> I mean not as bad, but... The doctor wasn't you trying know? to get the kicks out of right. it. But still, it's an evasive... 
procedure. And, you know, and it's only a man that's going to say, what's the big deal? Yep, exactly. Because any woman that's gone through it knows it's a big deal. Because no man has sat to, the closest men get is a prostate exam. Right. And and what do they say about that? Oh, they hate it. Oh, oh my God, he stuck his fingers up my butt. Nah, nah. Right. Yeah. How they feel, if, you know, um, what's that word? Um, violated. Violated, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, dude, but yet we can't feel violated? Like, it's okay? Right. Like, ugh. Yeah. Anyway. So that's a what's up date. Okay. She's coming out. She said exactly what we said. Yeah. We said this about a year ago. You heard it here so. first, people. We scooped <laughs> exactly. the story. <laughs> Um, and then we have another what's update on, um, this comes from the Daily Mail, a Louisville uh, PD fires one of the three cops involved in Breonna Taylor's killing during botch no-knock raid in March as FBI takes a fresh look at evidence and searches her apartment. So one of the three cops involved in Breonna Taylor's killing is being fired. From the Louisville, oh, the Louisville mayor announced on Friday, but the Kentucky Attorney General is still weighing whether or not to bring charges. Good. The other two cops, Jonathan and Miles, have not been fired. The mayor refuses to say why Hankinson has been fired over the other two. The announcement came as FBI agents searched Brianna's home for evidence as part of their revived investigation. Unfortunately, due to provisions in the state law that I would very much like to see changed, both the chief and I preclude from talking about what brought us to this moment or even the timing of this decision. It came after the Kentucky AG said on Thursday that he is still investigating the case and that he hadn't yet decided on charges. Tyler 26 was shot dead in March when three plainclothes officers performed a no-knock arrest warrant in her apartment in Louisville. Is that, am I saying it correctly? No. Louisville? Yeah. Okay. Louisville. I don't, I, I don't know why I kept saying Louisville. Um, the officers said they were investigating drug offenses and that Tyler's boyfriend opened fire on them when they entered. Um, the family, Her family says neither she, a hardworking EMT, nor her boyfriend used drugs and that he fired his gun because he thought the three plain clothes officers were intruders. And what is that? Yeah. yeah. Since of course she you, would. And on a no knock, I mean, how, how much of a target? I mean, here we were talking about police officers having to put themselves in dangerous mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. You're going in, you're busting in, no knocking, and you ain't got nothing to say, no uniform of mm-hmm. any sort to say you're there on business. Mm-hmm. It's just three white men busting into your house. And again, I, I go back to the fact that this w- happened while they were sleeping. So your body and your brain is in a state of, of rest and you get awoken by noise and all you see is three people in clothes. Even if they were yelling police, police, police warrant, that's not going to probably register in your brain as much no. as the visual of here are three people with guns in my home. I got to protect myself, right? So that's right. what that right. man did. He he did what any person who owns a gun, gun-toting, 
you know, fucking gun-loving folks talk about all the time, oh, I shoot first, ask questions later. Somebody break into my house. Uh-huh. That best monitor, I got a 357 Magnum waiting for them, you know. Right. So where where is the NRA defending him, right? Because... They ain't nowhere around. They're like crickets. No, they don't give a like fuck. Crickets. The last time the NRA defended black... I don't even know when the last time they, they defended a black person to have guns or a person of color, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, so there's there's that factor of you you get woke up by this. There's the factor of they was the wrong house. Yeah. And the dude was already in custody. Yep. Right? There's the yep. fact of if you're in if you're Brianna or her boyfriend, you, it is nowhere even in your imagination that you could potentially be the victims of a of a uh a, a botched warrant, right? Like, well, and 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 I would even go so far as to say, of a break-in like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I can think of myself, and I'm like, I'm just living my regular life. I'm not thinking somebody's gonna bust through mm-hmm. my front door. Exactly. And to know that, I mean, here's one thing that uh, I kind of had. Well, I didn't kind of have. We had a scare. I don't know what it was, but we had a scare. We woke up, and it sounded like somebody was coming through uh in our old house was coming through the sliding glass door in some way i can't remember both kenny and i we woke up uh to the noise and who knows i mean maybe it was somebody Mm -hmm. but i just remember screaming out uh to say and i remember screaming no like Mm -hmm. loud Mm -hmm. you know so that whoever was there would know no you ain't coming in here Mm -hmm. and when we investigated there was nothing there like it was no noise no i mean nothing Mm -hmm. so we were both very confused but it's you know it sounded as if something so i you know when thinking about that i'm like we woke up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I'm screaming this thing. Mm-hmm. Kenny's breathing heavy because now he's like getting a bat. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going down. Mm-hmm. Like something is going is going down. Mm-hmm. And I'm making sure uh, I'm going to voice out as a cry to say not tonight. Um, and, you know, so that whoever could run away to know, hey, somebody's right. up. But, but I, that's why I'm saying I couldn't imagine hearing the big loud bang. Uh, mind is erasing yeah. and shots and gun, you know. Right. I just I, I just can't imagine. Well, and I, I can't imagine. And then you're being arrested. That that was just that. Spend two weeks in jail. Yeah. I was just thinking that of the fact that this poor man hasn't even had time to grieve. He no. goes from defending his house to his fiance being murdered to him going to jail to him having to sit in jail until they decide we'll release you on conditional release. Still right. charges there. Then another time, and then more time passing by till they finally drop the charges. Right, and that's only then, again because of probably the pressure from right? the public. Then, on top of the fact you like this article said, they went back and searching the. Re- so then you got coming in searching the residence to try to find evidence as to whether should we charge or not charge. Like this, I mean, right? 
He, How much evidence do you need to say it was a botch warrant? Yeah. It was accidental on everybody's part. Not unless they, I mean, I don't know. And I guess the other maybe thing that too, dude got, maybe that police got fired because he didn't investigate. So, I mean, there's got to be some administrative reason why he's been fired, right? Yeah. I, I think the other thing that I'm, you know, and I guess this is where I'd probably, this is a question I would have asked Eric is, help me understand why, why in any, why is a no-knock warrant even needed, right? Like, you know, if you're serving a warrant on someone, you know their status, you know their level of risk, right? The past history, that kind of stuff. Uh, is there past history for assaults and gun charges and that? Or is there past history for, you know, selling drugs and burglary and you're just doing a warrant, you know? Like, I don't understand. So let's just say it's oh, okay, it's a really risky one. Right. Well, I I just don't understand the, the, the reason for a no-knock warrant in general. I just don't right. think that... that you know what you're going into. You know who you're looking for. You right. know what precautions you need to be made, right? So if you thought this guy was so badass, this guy that they were looking for who was already in jail, if they thought he was so badass that they felt like they had to no knock in order to get him, in order to catch him in a level of surprise, why are they only got three people? Why right. wouldn't that be like a cert team situation? Or a SWAT team situation where you have the staging and everything, and you get the you have the people with the all the fucking gear on, you know, to hear that it was three plain three clothes. People? Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. I mean, Not, what's going I'm on there? Maybe maybe dude was fired because he lied. Because I'm the other thing is when you want to invest, like be watching to see, hey, yeah, he's in the house. You know, I saw him. He could have probably lied on that police report, you know, on mm -hmm. his report to say, yeah, I saw him the day before going into this house. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet you it's a bunch of lying. I'll, that's exactly what I think probably happened is mm -hmm. a bunch of lying he did on his report. I mean, that's the, that to me, that's the only thing that would have would get him fired that quickly. It's not right. because they ki he killed anybody. I'll tell you that. No. It ain't about that. Right. It's probably right. lying misleading that kind of thing it has probably has nothing to do with taking a human life and and you know and that's the thing is like crap happens crap happens like things happen like he said you know as police officers things just happen mm -hmm. you know and but it's the when they happen then you start to cover up mm -hmm. that's the problem like mm -hmm. that's the big problem instead of feeling bad like shit I didn't do my due diligence. Like, why didn't, why didn't I, you know, just double check or, mm -hmm. you know, how come I had to say, we got to get him now instead of just saying, well, let me just verify one more day to make sure he was there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just say mm -hmm. you took the day off before and to go and enjoy family time, whatever. <laughs> then you come to the job the next day and you're like, yeah, let's go execute that warrant. And then you put in there. Yeah, I know for facts that dude lives mm -hmm. there. Right. Instead of just being for real and just saying, oh, I really didn't get a chance to go out there because my daughter had something going mm -hmm. on. And I so I can't. Why don't you just pump the brakes and just say, give me a couple more days? 
Yeah, I, I mean, that t- yeah, that's the confusion thing to me is is how did they end up at their address instead of, you know, again, we, t- we talked about it before and, and then when we right. were originally talking about it is was that address listed as a previously known address? Was that address an address that the, the person they were looking for had just gave a false address? Because, yeah. oh, like people never do that to police officers, right? So the do... Where was the due diligence to make sure that was the address they needed to be at? That the person was, in fact, last known to be there? Where was the due diligence to even run in fucking leads? Because if they would have ran his name, they would have found he was in custody. Right. Right. I mean, I, I in my past, I've been on enough things where they, you know, well, let's look up and see where they're at. Oh, they're in jail. Yeah. Oh, they're in jail right, right now. You know? Right. I like, mean, that's all part of investigation. Yeah. Like if you're and supposedly if you're following this dude, I mean, that's that's the other piece. It's like if you haven't seen the guy in, say, let's say the guy was sitting there three days. If you haven't seen the guy going in and out of that mm-hmm. house in three days, then I would be like, oh, he what makes you think that I'm going to find him at that mm-hmm. time? And but that's the thing is there was no indication that the guy was ever even that was it was, it was the wrong fucking house. Right. It was the wrong fucking house. So I guess there's another uh, what's update on that is that um, the Louis, uh, Louisville Metro Council voted unanimously to ban no-knock search warrants. Yeah, I did see that too. Yeah. Oh, a little too late. Exactly. I guess that's, that's going to save the life of the next person. Maybe Who not, knows? though. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Do you have another what's update? Uh, no. Just those two. Um, well, have I have um, sort of uh, one or two. Two. Well, one we'll just start is the easy one. Um, the Supreme Court did vote that you cannot, you cannot, I have to specify that, cannot, because this Supreme Court, we know we're working against uh, <laughs> the Kavanaugh's and the fucking, what's old boy who doesn't hasn't said anything in the whole time he's been on. Um, oh, uh, pu- pubic uh, hair on the coke guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clarence uh, Thomas. Yes. Um, so the Supreme last year, at some point, we covered a story about um, some folks that were suing because uh, they were uh, feel they were wrongly fired from their jobs for being transgender, um, and essentially saying, you know, I that because they weren't conforming to the gender of their biological gender and the places they worked didn't like it so they were fired from it so their case went all the way to the supreme court the supreme court did in fact rule that you cannot be fired for being lgbtq including transgender and not appearing to be the gender of your uh biological gender um so that's one win i mean there's not been much wins in 2020, yeah. but that is one win that I honestly was a little worried that was going to happen. Like, I was like, this could go either way with that court the way it is now. That could it could go either way. But fortunately, um, they did rule that um, you are protected. Um, doesn't mean some fools won't try it, though. Right. And then the other uh, what's update I have is... Um, uh, Kind of related to the George Floyd uh, officers that were arrested. 
this comes from the New York Times. Um, jail only allowed white staff to guard ex-officer charged with killing of George Floyd. Eight correctional officers said people of color who work in the jail were initially moved away from Derek Chauvin, the officer accused of killing George Floyd. Uh, staff members working in the jail um, uh, that held white officer charged with murder of George Floyd say that only white employees were allowed to guard him when he was first brought to the facility last month. Eight officers have filed complaints with the Minnesota Department of Human Rights saying that the superintendent of the Ramsey County Jail in St. Paul kept them from bringing Mr. Chauvin to his cell or even to be on the same floor as him last month solely because of their race. The officers, half of whom are black, all of whom are people of color, said the orders from the superintendent, Steve Leiden, who is white, hmm, amounted to segregation and indication in, in, indicated that he thought they could not be trusted to do their jobs because they were not white. After initially denying the officer's contact with Mr. Chauvin had been determined by race, a spokesman for the Ramsey County uh, Sheriff's Office acknowledged the move was moved this weekend and said Mr. Leiden had been temporarily removed from his superintendent role as sheriff <laughs> investigates the officer's claims. Roy Magnuson, the spokesman, provided a statement of which he said Mr. Leiden gave to invest investigators in it. Mr. Leiden said he had decided to keep non-white employees away from Mr. Chauvin because he believed having people of color interact with him could have a heightened ongoing trauma. He said he only he said he only done he had only done so on short notice for a 45 minutes before realizing that he had made a mistake after which he re reversed the order and apologized officer said it last ha had lasted longer affecting one shift two days later and not not enough had been done in response um who, who was he referring to would have the trauma that's what i would want to know is he is he is he trying to say well he didn't want people of color to be traumatized by seeing or did he not want chauvin to be traumatized by having to be ordered around by people of color Right. We'll never know his racist intent. <laughs> um, wow. Let's see. It goes on. Mr. Leiden told him. Okay. So a black sergeant who filed a complaint said in an interview that he was in charge, that he was in charge of booking on May 29th when Mr. Chauvin was brought to the jail and that after he had patted Mr. Chauvin down, Mr. Leiden told him not to have any more contact with Mr. Chauvin and asked him, who asked him who could transport the fired officer instead when the sergeant pointed to two white officers mr Lydon seemed satisfied so the sergeant wait a minute so i'm like mr Lydon never had conversations it doesn't say in this article that mr Lydon ever had conversations with any uh employee that was african-american to say hey let me check in with you guys what are your thoughts how, how do you guys you know, do you feel comfortable? So, Bonnie Smith, a lawyer in Minneapolis who is representing the eight officers, said in a news conference in front of the jail Sunday that Mr. Leiden's claim that his order was meant to protect officers of color was absurd and that it was it had made the jail less safe. This order didn't help protect anyone. It was blatantly discrim blatantly discriminatory order. So, I yeah. I think so. He tried to spin it. Yeah, you'd have a conversation with people to say, mm -hmm. hey, I know this has got to be difficult. Mm -hmm. 
how are how are you guys feeling? Let me know. Just mm-hmm. let me know what you you treat people professionally. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah, I could totally see you know like okay if I if I was the superintendent, I would probably go to my officers in color and go look you you have a job to do and I understand it. And I also understand the trauma that you all are experiencing currently, that what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. If for any reason you feel like you're like, hey, I just want to do that, we'll make arrangements. We'll have someone right. else come. We'll do whatever, whatever you all need. But that does not appear to be what happened. Right. It, it appears more of like he didn't trust them because they're people of color. Because they might do something to him. Yeah. They might beat him down. They might have jailhouse justice. Uh, unlike the other uh, men of color that have gone in there with jailhouse justice. Right. Yeah. Is that what they do all the time? Yeah. Like if it was any African-American person that gets arrested, hey, you white folks, step aside. Just tur- got, turn, they but, turn a blind eye and, right. you know. But has that, that's never happened no, before. of course not. You know, step aside, white white COs. Yeah. Move it along. Let's get some African-Americans here. You don't ever go down that hallway there. None of these right. folks here for you. So. Exactly. Go to your white side of the cells. Yeah. OMG. Wild. Wild. And look at what happened to uh, your Epstein, your conspiracy theory. There were <laughs> white folks that killed him, right? <laughs> <laughs> I came from a higher, higher level of white. I'm telling right. you. But wh- how come they don't ever talk about that white on white crime? They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to. No. We're not talking. We're talking about black on black crime here. <laughs> we're talking about black people that commit crime we're not talking about white people that commit crime uh, yeah um what was i gonna say oh there was something about now that we brought up the little epstein thing how Giselia's is living out in france oh uh, she's no in ex- france di- yeah oh. no extradition she wants to you know stay there for a bit yeah, yeah. i can't well i mean i just how how has she not been charged in any of this right Especially after I watched the documentary, the most recent one. I mean, there's been many. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the one that's, I think it's on Netflix. When they talked about how she was definitely the mover and shaker of getting other women to recruit the younger girls. Like, she, like, the the lawyer that represented one of the survivors has, like, a little chart that they did with pictures. And it was, like, Epstein, Jizzle. And then some other, two other ladies, and then it, you know, goes down the pyramid scheme, basically, of you right. get one, and then you get three, and then you get three, and then you get three more, and... And all the while, Jizzle knew. Yep, all the while, she knew all of it. She knew it all. And participated in some of and it. And not one damn charge. Not one. That's what I'm saying. I I don't understand how she was able to walk around free she like, as a much. bird. She knows she too much. She should have been arrested when Epstein was arrested. She knows. She knows too much. Maybe they thought, hey, if she can escape, then not a problem. We'll just kill him here and then, you know. Well, he did live. make a, and that the thing is, he did make a deal to get immunity for all the other people. <laughs> that was part of the problem. Um, and they gave him that, and that, and that sweetheart deal that he got. Which is now null and void because, you know, he's dead. And it was null and void when he went to jail. Like, that's how, that's part of how he got to jail was because, you know, they, they discovered he, they violated the crime victims um, rights law by well, making that deal. It. They knew it. They knew. No, they the attorney, the attorney, it. the attorney that represented the victim. 
brought oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that brought it forth of like, you violated the crime victim's right law. You can't go make a deal without informing the victims. And that's what they did. But in that sweetheart deal was where he negotiated immunity for Jizzle and the other, I think there were two other ladies that like were in the top tier of the pyramid scheme. Yeah. All right, we should take a break and then we'll come back and do some stories. Yep. All right, we'll be right back. All right. All right, we're back. Two, what are you bringing to the table? All right, we're back after a little break here, getting into some more stories. Um, actually, those were just updates. So, what do you got for stories? What do you What do you got? What are we bringing to the table today? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't even. This one just gets on my last dang nerves. Um, this comes from the New York Post. Florida Gov blames coronavirus rise on overwhelmingly Hispanic workers. Oh, I saw that too. Ugh. Came out June 19th. Florida Gov Ron DeSantis pointed to clusters of overwhelmingly Hispanic day laborers and agricultural workers driving the state's recent coronavirus spike. It couldn't be those uh, freaking... Not the hundreds of people's at the beaches right. and resorts. Not no. them. Not people them. out there, essential workers, working hard to fucking make their Put ends. food on the table for you fools. Yeah. But farm workers and uh, industry associations argue that resources and testing came too late to these communities, according to the news report. Which is true. That's true. Because that I is was true. reading, I think, I'm not sure if we brought it to the table where they were talking about, hey, we don't even have, there's no testing here. We have to work. We're afraid. I think I might have brought it. I think we've talked about it. it. Yeah. We definitely yeah, we're talked there, about it. We're talking it. to a lady who was like, hey, we have to work. We can't miss work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. We talked so, about it like when this first started. Yes, we yeah. did talk about that. Yes. So the Republican, again, behind the scenes, just like this fool Trump, behind, behind the mm-hmm. eight ball. Is that is that appropriate to say behind the eight ball? I think it's okay because it's a pool reference. I'll look it up. You continue. (laughs) The the Republican (laughs) governor told reporters Tuesday that cramped living and work, which they've always said they're in cramped conditions. Mm -hmm. They're neat. There's no running water. Uh, you know, they don't have the necess- the the spacing to have their, you know, social distancing. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody going to be working in the hot fields with a freaking mask on. Things have to be done differently. Exactly. They didn't pay attention. Uh, Tuesday, that cramped living and working conditions for migrant workers and Hispanic construction workers are partly to blame. Some of these guys go to work in a school bus and they are all just packed they're like sardines going across the Palm Beach County or some of these other places. And and there's all these opportunities to have transmission, DeSantis said during a press conference in Tallahassee. He pointed to cases in migrant camps, a watermelon farm, a Lamokali, and what's a, is it Lamoki? a major hub for tomato production as evidence of the uptick. But Florida agriculture, 
Agriculture Commission Nikki Fried argued that the majority of farm workers left several weeks ago after harvest ended and that the real uptake is non-agricultural areas. Mm. In addition, really? Antonio Tovar, Executive Director, Farm Worker Association of Florida, said it's not the farm workers' fault they are vulnerable to COVID-19. He pointed the finger at DeSantis for ignoring pleas from the coalition of 50 groups that asked him for aid in late April. We sent this letter to the governor more than two months ago, mm. and now he's realizing that foreign workers are more suitable to get infected. This is very shameful because he was advised, he was told when we sent the letter. For months, Governor DeSantis has been speaking about the importance of proactively testing in areas of high risk, such as agriculture areas where migrant farm workers tend to live and travel in combined spaces that are conducive to spread the disease to spread of this disease. Oh, that was um, a spokeswoman for DeSantis. So he's been speaking out for months. Speaking is different than doing. Right. If you knew for months, because mm -hmm. we've been in COVID for months, mm -hmm. how come something wasn't being done? Why are you coming out now saying, hey, they're packed in sardines in these school buses? How come there wasn't an order to say, oh, hell no, you're not putting people in school buses like that to transport them to mm -hmm. and from work? Six, you need three buses to take people out mm -hmm. there. Nothing. Zip. Why? Because now you want to make it racial. Because it's a to them, it's an expendable person. Yeah. It's it, the 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 migrant farm worker is expendable because well, not to mention it's somebody to blame in this because goodness. Oh yeah. Said, right. It's, it's the easy. It's the easy target. Their... It's the right. easy target. Yep. It's the easy target, and uh, we don't want to say anything about the beaches and the resorts and all that because that's our money maker. That's where that's we get right. people to come to the state. You know. So it's not like they didn't know this from jump, right? Like. We go clear back to January when we, you know, when all this started kind of coming around. They, they've they known since the beginning of COVID that compact areas with people, that should be avoided. Like, we right. knew that from, from China. <laughs> we knew it from Italy. We knew it from every other country where the spikes happened before here. We've known. You don't yeah. put people in confined spaces close together without any kind of protection or PPE or any of that. Right. You and don't. Now he's coming out June, June. Yeah. Talking about, oh, it's the Hispanic workers that right. are uh, carrying this stuff around right. and, and increasing our spikes. Yep. Fucking asshole. You know, Fucking I, I mean, asshole. This is this is exact. So here you have in the state of Florida, this perpetuation of what they've done historically anyway, that people yep. of color bring disease mm -hmm. when the reality is, no, they never did. They didn't bring the diseases. No, in fact, you gave the people of color disease, smallpox blankets to the Native Americans. Yes. <laughs> yes. In order to kill them off so that you could take their land. Right. Because <laughs> had you had that those diseases never hit, this country would have looked way different. A lot different. A lot different. Yeah. Ugh. So, 
disgusting Again, overwhelmingly and, and i'm like well, what is this what is desantis what is his racial makeup what is what is desantis i mean it's 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 either uh latino or italian i mean well i want if it's latino i want his card <laughs> uh, because uh i'm disgusted i'm disgusted anytime anybody uh, wants to do this uh you know this whole race thing when it comes to illnesses or you know diseases or you know it, it just is it's sick it's sick uh, well i'm, I'm gonna inspired. look at it and see if i can find um italian he's italian and what did they say about Italians when they came here? Well, yeah, but they became white, so he doesn't. So, so now, so now because they became mm -hmm. white, now it's like, woo! I got the privilege. Exactly, now. I got woo, the white woo, card woo, now. Woo. Let me use it. Yeah. Shit. I, I, you see what I'm saying? Shit. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted. Yeah. When, when you're allowed into the the upper echelon, you did you done forgot about exactly. You know, the history of what happened to you know italians yeah Ugh. disgusting oh well goodness. i wanted to bring a little story of covid as well um more local um and more about uh so um oregon saw was it last week or week before last saw one of the highest number of covid um rates since it started 270 some cases in one day and 230 of those excuse me 240 were all because of a church in union county i saw that so Go ahead, bring it to the table bringing it everything we know about the eastern oregon church at the center of the state's largest corona out outbreak a church in small eastern Oregon, oh, this is from the Oregonian, uh, a church in small eastern Oregon County linked the state's largest coronavirus outbreaks held worship services in the weeks before hundreds fell ill. At least 236 coronavirus cases are tied to the Lighthouse Pentecostal Church near La Grande in Union County. The number of cases in Union County increased tenfold from 22 to 240 in three days after the outbreak came to light. The outbreak led Union County to voluntarily return fit to phase one of the phased reopening plan. The county had been at phase two when the outbreak happened. There are now 258 coronavirus cases in the county with only 27,000 people. Leaders of the Lighthouse Pentecostal Church have remained silent for the most part about the outbreak. Yet social media posts and interviews with their faith leaders shed light on how the church came to be at the center of the Oregon's largest corona outbreak, uh, COVID outbreak. Uh, the church, which operates in Island City near La Grande, has held several gatherings once si since May that appear to have violated Brown's restrictions to limit the spread of COVID. In May 20, in a May 22nd Instagram post, Lighthouse Pentecostal Church said it would begin in-person services Memorial Day weekend in accordance with President Trump's demands. The state's 
allow that the states allow churches to open at the time union county was still in phase one of reopening in which religious groups are not allowed were not allowed to convene in large groups the governor allowed faith groups to meet in gatherings of 25 people if congregants had stayed apart a certain distance a facebook video uploaded may 24th by the church showed hundreds of worshipers hundreds of worshipers in church dancing singing moving around in close proximity the video of course was later deleted a faith leader at the church wrote in a memorial day facebook post that he was proud to be an american listing one of the reasons of being able to attend church in our building one day later, May 26th, the church held the graduation ceremony for some Lighthouse Academy students. Facebook photos posted by the church members showed the front row seats of the church filled as the leaders, um, Bishop Jesse Parker, shakes hands with graduates as they walk across the stage. The school is part of the church and uses the Abeka curriculum, a Christian educational program pre-K through 12th grade students according to the video on the church's website the school's principal robin parker said the school had been has been has between 100 students to 120 students in the video lighthouse pentecostal church is part of a larger organization uh, i don't really care about that um yeah so um i don't really care about how they worship um are they one of them uh you know, I'm going to put hands on you and you are healed. <laughs> um, well, uh, let's see. Ministers apply to be part of the organization by answering questions such as, do you have a TV? Do you allow women to cut, trim, or shorten their hair in any way? The church's articles of faith require tithing, modesty by women, and insist that maintaining distinctions between males and females. According to the articles of faith, one, one way has been accomplished only one way this can be accomplished is by only allowing sexual relations between men and women. Um, the World Pentecostal Fellowship emphasizes these beliefs should be viewed as modern. Um, let's see. We believe Jesus Christ gave the apostles the commission. He gave them the keys. He told them that he wanted them to preach parker said in a video and so that's what we what that's what we preach that that's what we believe that's what we try to live and that's what we promote that's what the lighthouse church lighthouse church is all about um what are they promoting uh well obviously women with m modesty um on like there's only men there's only women um Let's see that, um, let's see. I know Sex some, yeah, oh, go ahead. I know some, uh, Pentecostal believe in the, you know, the, I'm going to put hands on you and I can heal you. Yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, I've, someone else was talking about that. I didn't, I don't know if it's in here at all, um, about that type of, type of, uh, yeah, no, it's nothing, nothing particular about that. But I've heard, I've heard similar. Um, let's see, Bishop. Which to me, would be how they, you know, how they could say, "Hey, the Lord is going to protect you," you know. So oh yeah, don't we'll, worry about we'll it. We'll protect you from COVID. We'll heal you from COVID. Right, and it, and then they'll go into, and if uh, you get it, then that just means, you know, this is God's will. 
Also, an interesting factoid of, uh, let's see, uh, so Bishop Jesse Parker, 65, leads the church with his help of help from his son, James Parker. Um, both preach, did a weekly court document show James Parker served two years of probation that ended in April 2018 after he was arrested in late 2015 with the possession of methamphetamines. A what? note, a yes, note in union, yeah, a note in union court circuit file, uh, files, um, said that he was uncooperative at the jail and under the influence Parker pleaded guilty to resisting arrest and unlawful possession, but court records show the latter count was discharged after he completed the conditions of the drug court. Um, wow. this, the church is becoming increasingly secretive and leaders have not responded to any communications from or the Oregonian. I'm wondering why they're secretive. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. So typically what would happen is like, say if you, you know, somebody got into trouble like that and they're a leader, mm -hmm. typically what happens is they have to step down. Dude, you're not ready for, you know, you can't be leading. We still care about you, but, you know, you got some work to do. You're mm -hmm. no longer part of a staff or. Yeah. But it sounds like, but because this is a, mom and pop type church that daddy gets to say who's who gets to work in the who you know who gets to be a leader right that's the kind of stuff i yeah that's the kind mm -hmm. of stuff i totally totally disagree with but clearly i mean that's it's not it's not just a mom and pop because they got 200 plus people attending so it's yeah. it sounds like a pretty large church for i mean 27,000 people in the county and 200 plus attend this church. At least we know during now, who knows what on a, on a regular basis, right? Maybe there were some that had enough sense to like, no, I'm not going to go to church until this is all taken care of. Um, but, you know, Just now you have overwhelmed a system in a county that does not. I mean, we're talking about a small county that doesn't have the infrastructure in their hospital. Mm -hmm. to handle an overwhelming amount of cases that's right. the whole point that was the, that's been the whole point of staying home it's yeah. not that you're that's going to make the virus go away it's going to make it so less people get sick so we're not dealing with situations in hospitals where you they've reached their capacity they don't have the ventilators they don't have the ppe they didn't have it to begin with and we were doing really well and then this kind of shit right this kind of well, shit but who's leading this country to say well i mean they said it right there in their in their article we're doing what the president told us to do right. get back to church this is the problem yeah. go ahead do, do what you want it's a hoax right it's a hoax from the democrats wait until after the elections come up and then we won't see any corona yep you know that's the kind of idiotic you know, and I'm like, for people to believe that kind of stuff, I'm like, look, you got a man that survived being walked out of the White House. You know, if this is all a Democratic hoax, right. it, you got somebody that was able to hang on uh, because the House uh, didn't do their job, mm -hmm. their due diligence. Um, so you have him that basically has half control you know with mitch mcconnell there how, how is it 
you would think that this conspiracy would would even happen? Why would you think that the Republicans would go ahead and and give us a stimulus package for coronavirus if it was all a conspiracy? Right. Why do you think you got you know you got a check in there in the mail if mm-hmm. it's all conspiracy? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, these people just don't think things through. Right. They it it just boggles my mind at how how they just I get there we go the Dunkirk effect. D- Dunning Kruger, Dunning Kruger effect. Dunning Kruger. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it just. I mean, this is just plays so well in, in uh, just the, the level, and then the, then the people, the people that are following. It's like mindless, mindless sheep. Like, yeah. dude, think for yourself. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people, like, we were, uh, someone was joking about, like, the, you know, the, the rallies and, and, you know, the, the exposure to COVID and, you know, somebody jokingly like, ah, well, you know, why should we care? We care because those people are going back to other communities. I care right. because these people in this church have now put the rest of that county at risk, right? Because yeah. they're out in the stores. They're out in wherever. Like, you've just put other people who have chose to be to be careful, have chose to wear masks when they're out, have chose to stay home, to, to, to take precautions. You've now put them at risk because now you're out there. You're a spreader. You're, you know... And of those and two, that, and all that dancing around, all in a closed room, right? Breathing heavy, spewing the little spit particles mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, like, uh, it's just uh-huh. the level of ignorance around all of this is just to me like, ugh, what are we doing? Uh, what is no going idea. on? It's as if we don't really care about science. Yeah, I mean. Like I said earlier, it's like over here, because we're in phase two in Clark County, it's like, oh, the virus is gone. People are just out doing whatever they're going to do. And, and, you know, it's like kind of what you were saying, too. Like, people are just tired, right? Were were you saying that? Or where were we saying that? Oh, no, I was talking with a friend about it. And and she was saying that there's part of the reason probably while, while... governor brown and you know have just kind of moved forward is i think they're realizing people are fatigued and they're just going to go do what they're going to do so let's and then it's like after all the protests and stuff it's like right yeah like oh if they can be out there protesting i can go out to the store or i can go do this i don't really because somebody was talking about how um uh, like why should i do this why should i be wearing a mask and why should i be you know taking care of myself when you know, these protesters were allowed to, I'm like, the protesters weren't allowed to do anything. That's why they had all these police out there. Yeah, that's why I've been getting with tear gas nightly. Right. They doing the same thing you all were doing at the White, you know, at the uh, Capitol. And not one of those motherfuckers were shot with rubber bullets or with tear gas. That's right. Or dispersed in in ways that, you know. Yeah, with force. These are people that we're doing this way be you know they didn't get all this permission to go out there and just run amok and do you know they went out there for a specific reason and it wasn't because they wanted their haircuts right it wasn't because they wanted to go get ice cream yep it wasn't because they wanted a good meal in a restaurant Mm -hmm. you know 
and they weren't asking anybody's permission, yeah. just like you, Miss Karen and Kyle. Yep. You're not asking permission. You want your rights to be able to go to church and praise the Lord and do all that kind of stuff. But the minute that we talk about people of color, mm-hmm. then it becomes they didn't do it. Yeah. How come now we have to do it? Right. Exactly. You know, like it, it's just it. It's again, that white privilege. It's that white yeah. privilege. I just, I, I, I don't get it. I yeah. don't get it. Probably because I don't have it. So, <laughs> you know, if I had it, I might be able to sit up here and say, well, you know, Tori, it's because I believe. Yeah. If, yeah. if that were the case, I don't think this podcast would exist. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. And if it did, it, you know, it wouldn't be as heated as it gets. Yeah. Um, that. You guys are more angry about this than I am. <laughs> uh, well, do you have another story? I got stories. You got stories for days. I got stories for days because crazy never sleeps. And the stories never end. What? Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, this one comes from the Daily Mail. And this one, again, uh, you know, as when people are always talking Okay, people are always talking about how, you know, the looters, the yep, this, yep. the that, and blue, 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 right? So this one from the Daily Mail came out uh, June 17th. Black Lives Matter protest of 80 people in tiny Ohio town where just 13 black residents live is overrun by 700 white counter protesters armed with rifles handguns, and baseball bats. Mm-mm. Yes. Uh, a heavily armed white, heavily armed white men and women from motorcycle gangs and back the blue groups flocked to the small town of Bethel on Sunday. Around 700 counter protesters, some seen in Trump t-shirts, shouted blue lives matter and all lives matter and ripped signs from protesters' hands. Hmm. 80 of the 2,828 Bethel residents were holding a peaceful Black Lives Matter demonstration. One protester was seen on camera being punched in the back of the head by a counter-protester in a Confederate flag bandana while cops looked on. Yeah, I saw the video. I didn't know that that's where that that, that was at that protest. Yeah. Yes. Clashes persisted for a second day Monday, leading the police chief to declare a curfew, and several people were arrested. I like to know who was arrested. Yeah, how about the white supremacist that punched the protester in the back of the head? Was he arrested? Was he part of that? Because he he didn't get arrested on the video. In fact, they made the protester go someplace else. Right. Um, Large swaths of counter-protesters were thought to have come from out of town, with motorbikes seen carrying out-of-state license plates and then telling these other people, get out of here, you don't belong right? here. Right, yeah. A staggering 97% of Bethel residents are white and just 13 black people live there. 13. According to the U.S. Census estimates. 13. 13. Out of how many? Out of... Uh, what out of what the where was it? Um, da, 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 da. out of 2000. Oh, wait, no, 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 
Wait a minute, where am I? What? Now I lost the spot. Oh, All lives matter, blue lines, yeah. Uh, clashes between the two groups. Uh, Sunday, blue, blue, blue. Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, yelling, blue lives matter. Where was it at? Uh, Bethel. Well, we'll just get Bethel, Google. Ohio. Bethel, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Okay, population. I don't even, now I can't find where it's, okay, let's see. Oh, it says 80 people. Yeah, now I can't find in the article here where it. Um, 2,798 as of 2018. With 13 black folks. 13 of those are black. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Well, I mean, uh -huh. I could imagine because I grew up in a town of a thousand people. So right. I could imagine. Have, <laughs> right. And then you have the Bethel chief of police appeared to defend the actions of his cops, saying during a virtual council meeting Monday that the attention of the officer in front of the victim had been pulled away. No. No. He was looking to I've seen at. the video. There was <laughs> one looking at the dude and there was one standing behind, behind. the dude. They right. both saw it all and, and not way. one effort. Have, right, and you still have video. So did that man get arrested? Right, exactly. So even if the attention was over here, right. did that man get arrested? And I would bet money he has not been arrested yet. And then it says the victim initially decided not to press charges, but by Monday decided he would go ahead with charges. And uh, an arrest warrant was filed for the suspect. Okay. He so said. there was a warrant filed. Okay. Right. Don't mean he's arrested. No. And, and it doesn't, he doesn't need to file charges. There's probable cause to believe that assault, you know, happened. Now, of course, going to court and everything if the victim says oh well i don't want to testify and, but of course he's afraid I, what of course he would be afraid to file charges you have two police officers standing right next to you as you get assaulted and they don't do anything about it of course you're going to be re reticent to file any kind of charges do you yeah. think because you'd be i'd be like nothing's going to fucking happen they were standing there when it happened well, they said no arrests were made on Sunday, although the village administrator, Travis Dotson, said this was because the tiny town's six police officers were too overwhelmed by the sudden uprise no, no. to take people into custody. And I'm like, okay, so you have people with guns, bats, mm -hmm. um, and what else did it say? Guns, bats, and... Uh, and not to mention when they showed up, right? Okay. So, rifles, handguns, and baseball bats. Yeah. So here Did you call for like that that's what I'm police? That's what I was gonna say is that you knew when they started rolling into town shit could go down. Why aren't you onto the phone to the state police like we're gonna need some backup here? Like, I don't know where this is going to go. Like, yeah, like you would get on the horn and you call everybody around you and say, can you spare some officers? Because we're going to be overwhelmed here. So to me, it's complicit. They were okay with the behavior. They were okay they were with like, that. Nothing's going to happen yeah. here. You Black Lives Matter folks, right. you all got to get out of town. Exactly exactly we, we like it just the way that it is you can take your 13 black, black asses and get out of here is what they were thinking right. oh yeah 
You know that's what they were thinking. Fucking Ugh. assholes. Yeah. Ugh. Can't even. All right. Oh. Um. Well, shit. Um. Gosh, there's so many. Um. I think that I'll do. Well, I don't. There's not a whole lot of information on it, but I just thought it was an interesting. So it's a, it's a step away from COVID, because uh-huh. you know I am a murderino. Yeah. Uh, so this comes from Como News. Bags of human remains found in mm. West Seattle. I saw that. Seattle a police were searching. Yep. Uh? Northwest. Hello. That's what we're known for. Uh, Seattle police were searching for clues for after several bags of human remains are found Friday afternoon in West Seattle. The remains were found near the water at the 1100 block of Alki Avenue Southwest Friday afternoon after police were notified about a suspicious bag with a foul odor, odor coming from on the beach. It's kind of shocking really to have something like this in the neighborhood, said Steve Sizzlesky, la la. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just like Sizzler, um, <laughs> who lives down the street from the where the discovery was made. Um, police found an initial bag on the beach and noticed another in the water. So they widened their search. There was a police boat and an inflatable boat that had a hook, and they took ba- they took black plastic bags out. Said Stephen Booty, another neighbor. I saw them take two bags. It's unclear if the bags were dumped on the beach and the tide took them out or if they were initially in the water and then began to wash up, according to the investigators. Detectives were called to the scene uh, after on-scene investigators concluded the contents were human remains. Um, Police said Harbor Patrol assisting in the probe. Investigators have not said publicly how long the bags have been in the area. Or what's, like, what type of like body part? Parts yeah, what, bo- what type of body parts? Are we talking just a few? Or are we talking... Stay sexy, don't get murdered. Stay sexy, don't get murdered. But We got a couple listeners out there in uh, Seattle. Yes, we do. Jason? Jason, so, how you doing? <laughs> that's I mean, what I'm saying. Don't don't get murdered, folks. Don't get murdered. Don't be the murderer. Don't be get. Don't get murdered. Yeah. So I'm 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 interested in. Hopefully, like this doesn't get buried with all the other stuff. But um, I I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. Well, you're gonna hear it here. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to that. keep my. You know. When did that come out? See if there's any updates on that. That was let's see, that was on the nineteenth. So that just on Friday. So um I'm wondering if there's Yeah, maybe we'll take a break and I'll see if there's any been any kind of a uh identification made of the body parts or anything like that. Either that or I can go with the uh another story that I meant to I wanted to bring this Okay, up. you you go with your story and I'll okay. look up and see if there's any updates on the body parts. All right. So this one because I wanted to bring this one up because I'm so tired of all these oh, you know, because of the protests and blue 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 mm-hmm. that you know, these people are hurting cops and killing cops and so this one comes from the independent and it came out uh 5 days ago. Man linked to far-right extremist movement charged with shooting officers during George Floyd protests. A man charged with killing two officers in California has tied... And see, this is what I'm saying. They want to blame Black Lives Matter for killings, right? 
So I just want to make this very clear. A man was charged with killing two officers in California. So you people that are, well, Blue Lives Matter, then watch this and understand white on white crime does happen. <laughs> white people do murder police officers. And here is one of the examples. Yep. Just so that you all know. Um, so he has ties to far right extremist movements. Uh, movement. Federal officials alleged and plotted to use protests over the death of George Floyd to launch a race war. And if people aren't believing this, like if they're like, mm, you know, this is all has to do with Black Lives Matter. If Black Lives Matter didn't come out, then nothing would happen. This is why we have movements such as this, because far extremist groups have been, in, you know, in this, you know, holding up this Confederate flag. And that's the other thing. I'm like, these people got problems with, with uh, say, me holding up a Mexican flag. You in Mexico? Blue, blue, blue. Right. You know? Go back to Mexico. And yet, you don't say a damn thing, somebody holding up a Confederate flag. Right. They lost, boo. Right. They lost. There is nothing about the Confederate flag other than it's in our history. It, but As it the lost. flag of they the lost. loser. As the you, flag it, of the traitors. As the flag right. at... Uh, I mean, that's... Yeah. Like, that's the thing is that you, this is a flag of a group of people... Cause a lot of those people with the fucking Confederate flag are like the Constitution and I'm American. It's like that's the flag of the people that said we don't want to abide by the Constitution, so we want to secede from the Union and form our own segregated racist state. Like, hello, right? <laughs> right. And they lost. Loser. Boo. You lost. Losers. So when you you know, and so to me, it's like. This is the time for you to go. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be here in the United States. Again, Bye. it's called the United States. You wanted your own. Bye, boo. Go back to where you came from, boo. Right. You know, here, a democracy working together, trying mm -hmm. to live together, and we just want to keep moving forward. But yeah. you keep wanting to bring back your history because now history for you is like super important right but forget about anybody else's history that was in the past right but you get to bring up your confederate flag and your your this and your that and my family that's my heritage that's my right. heritage so your heritage but is racist else, and you want to be proud of it right but for anybody else no nope. get that past no nope. that was in the past you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that I'm just like disgusted Ugh. with. But anyway, so, so this Stephen Carrillo is an active duty staff sergeant in the U.S. Armed Force, opened fire on a guard shack outside of the federal building in Oakland uh, on the 20, wait, where am I? Okay. Uh, oh, um, I guess they're giving another example. Um, he, who opened fire on a federal building in Oakland on the 29th of May. According to charging documents, the shooting occurred as demonstrators were gathering throughout the city to mourn the death of Mr. Floyd, a 46-year-old unarmed black man who was seen pleading for his life um, as a white police officer kneeled on his neck for nearly nine minutes in a cell phone footage that sparked global anti-racism uh, demonstrations. An FBI affidavit that was unsealed on Tuesday said Mr. Creel 
was seemingly planning to use a protest to attack law enforcement. Officials have said that Mr. Carrillo was suspected was a suspected member of the Bo the Boogaloo movement, a loosely connected group of provo provocateurs calling for another American civil war through violent actions. The affidavit said Mr. Carrillo uh, was who faces uh, federal murder and attempted murder charges wrote in a Facebook post, go to the riots and support your own cause. Show them the real targets. Use their anger to fuel our fire. Think outside the box. We have mobs of angry people to use to our advantage. He later killed David Patrick Underwood, a Federal Protective Service officer, during a drive-by shooting that same night. Robert Alvin Justice Jr., who allegedly drove Mr. Carrillo in the van, used for the drive-by shooting, has been charged with aiding and abetting murder and attempted murder. As deputies with Santa Cruz Sheriff's Office closed in on Mr. Carrero, Carrero, nearly a week later, he allegedly stole a car to flee, writing phrases connected to the Boogaloo movement in his own blood on top of the vehicle. He then used what investigators have described as a ghost gun, a homemade assault-style rifle during a shootout with law enforcement that left one officer, Sheriff Jim Hart, dead. Mr. Justice has reportedly told investigators he did not want to participate in the murder, according to the complaint, but that he <laughs> felt he had to participate because he was trapped in the van with Mr. Carrero, who he allegedly met just before the drive-by shooting. That's Jeffrey, now, what is it? See, that's what I'm saying. Come on. Give me a Jeffrey break. Goddard, an attorney for Mr. Carrillo, described his client as, quote-unquote, loyal and good airmen. How do you... How do you put those two things together? Loyal, loyal to who? His little boogaloo. Yeah, movement? to his fucking white supremacy movement. And a good airman. I don't understand how those two can. Yeah. How does that? You're not. You're go? not a good airman if you're going against what your oath says. Right. Who, quote unquote, suffered per severe personal loss in the suicide of his wife two years ago. Oh, so again, when they're white, it's trauma and the illness and the suffering and yes. everything that has happened to them that has led him to come to this place in his life. But there's a reason why he's... Yeah. he's we should know. show him compassion. Right. And look, I am, again, we've said it once, I've said it a million times, I am all for showing compassion but you got to show compassion to everybody. Right. You got to show compassion to everybody. You got to show empathy to everybody. You got to take into account everybody's history of trauma. Not just right. Mr. White Guy who wants to go out and do this shit. Right. Uh, he added there is more to Mr. Carrillo than the picture painted by law enforcement. Police departments across, across the country have warned in recent weeks of extremist groups and provocateurs embedding themselves into the nationwide protests to instigate trouble with law enforcement. Now, see, this is where I'm like, how come the news media who's out there isn't also going out there with mics and saying, hey, you know, interviewing people out there. Why is it, oh, Black Lives Matter protesters, looters, killings, da-da-da, not, hey, we have some people in here, police are saying, you know, there's some provocateurs, there's some folks that are, you know, mm -hmm. out here looting, whatever it mm -hmm. is, that are part of an extremist group to enrage people. No, you have these news outlets 
believing that it's Black Lives Matter right. folks that are doing all of this destruction, killing people, and that these white folks are coming in to protect property, you know, protect lives, mm-hmm. to help police officers. Uh, you, We showed the other article where you saw the Salem police officers allowing white folks mm-hmm. to carry their guns and everything else. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's this kind of stuff that we perpetuate and, and we make okay. So this white man is safe because he's helping when the reality is no he's not he's actually killing police officers Mm -hmm. and now when it's discovered oh but he's a good law enforcement officer or uh loyal and good but his wife died two years ago of suicide so he's got some problems yeah exactly we know he's got problems clearly he's got problems racism that's his problem (laughs) the problem is racism yeah there is nothing else other than that right led him to kill these two officers yep exactly that's it yeah it wasn't like he could say well my wife was murdered by uh people of color right he can't use that the wife killed herself yep so i don't understand how his wife's suicide has anything to do with what he did to these officers and why why is it you know and 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 i just want to preface this by grief is not linear takes a long time when you're grieving to get over something but why two years later what why not why not anywhere within these two years why hasn't something like this also occurred but it wasn't until this white supremacist sees black lives matter out there and he gets triggered to go out and do this thing he did right Right. like so how can you equate that to the suicide death of his wife when within the last two years nothing has happened right other than his racism has continued to grow and fester right. and then this was no, the tipping was the, the tipping point for him this, is it ah the perfect opportunity for him to move forward with whatever take plan. advantage of his racist pro- uh agenda that's right Ugh. and that's why he put what he posted on exactly his facebook yeah and i'm yeah. like um and no to me it's like this didn't happen just as an anomaly so it's not like this one guy and this other guy they just randomly right. hooked up oh I, he, I just he just jumped in your van and i didn't you know, know that's what he had planned it was too late right. <laughs> yeah i'm like dude bullshit bullshit yeah yeah, yeah. bullshit 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 anywho's anywho uh what was i looking up was i supposed to look up something in between that i was wasn't i yeah, you were going to see if there's any updates. No, there is no updates. The there is parts. no updates about the body parts yet. Um, yeah, hmm. no, nothing is it yet. I did also look up, uh, previously we were uh, wondering about the term eight ball. It appears to be uh, um, appropriate, you can say that, um, because it is about playing pool, and a turn is four-footed if the player's cue ball hits the black eight ball first so like if you're like if you're trying to make a shot but your ball is behind the eight ball it's yeah hard to because you can't you can't hit the eight ball and then knock your ball in according to pool rules the rules of pool oh okay or you can't so if you play is, with me because i play slop if i play pool I, I like you just hit it in however you need to hit it in so it's basically like being caught between a rock and a hard place. Like, there's no way to go. So that's the origin of behind the eight ball. Okay. So then it is legal for me. It, to say it that. looks like we're, we're in the clear. We, we can say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. So that that's one of my phrases. <laughs> we'll get on that one. <laughs> we, we, we got to do some history. Hey, hey, we're just keeping and, and it we're real. Up in the air Shanghai. I'm saying it's that's wrong, and we shouldn't say it. <laughs> that's fifty fifty there. <laughs> um, we could definitely uh, put put what we can, what's yeah. acceptable, as we find out what's fifty fifty and what's not acceptable. I'm gonna go. Shanghai is eighty twenty. You're the twenty percent that says it's okay to say. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're going to put right. percentages on it. Um, well, should we take a break? Should we keep going? Um, come back and do another story? Uh, well, do you have another one? I mean, I got at least one more I could do. I wanted to do, well, at, at, because we were like trying to also give resources, I want to continue to do that in this age of okay. people trying to wake up and realize Oh, yeah, racism is a thing. Um, so I do have an article that, that would be of resource to our listeners. Okay. So we could take a quick break and then come back and do that article and then uh, yeah. wrap it up or whatever. Okay. Okay, we'll Sounds be right back. Good. Welcome back to What Do You Bring to the Table? All right, we're back after a little break. Um, I'm going to give a resource story because I want to continue to... Um, share resources. Uh, I think that we have listeners that are are learning from us and they're thankful that we're sharing these resources. So um, I'm going to keep that trend going um, because this ain't over, right? Like, I know that some people are probably like, oh, I'm just so glad not see so much Black Lives Matter on my feed anymore. Oh, I'm just so tired of it. Um, it's still happening. It's still an issue. And Black Lives still matter. So... Um, this article comes from the website, The Body Is Not an Apology. It was an article written actually last year, um, by Shannon Weber. Um, feminist rage, four ways white feminists continue to silence women of color's anger at racism. Um, so I'm not going to go into the, um, too much of it other than, um, let's just say, uh, so for, for far too long, white women's fragility with respect to issues of race have traumatized and alienated women of color from white dominated feminist movements. White fragility, according to sociologist Robin D'Angelo, is isolated environment of racial protection that builds white expectations for racial comfort while at the same time lowering the ability to, to tolerate racial stress. Um, given that North American white people live in a social environment that protects and insulates them from race-based stress. White fragility is a state in which even minimum, minimum amount of racial stress becomes intolerable, triggering a rage of defensive moves, including the outward display of emotions such as anger, fear, and guilt, and behaviors such as argumentation, silence, and leaving the, sh leaving the stress-induced situation. Um, because white people are under attack by structural racism, aren't under attack by structural racism created by a white power structure, they're able to deny its realities. Casting themselves as the victims in discussions about racism, white women defensively deflect from the issue, complaining that it's actually people of color causing racial division, a.k.a. race baiting. 
by pointing out this existence in the first place. So, the following are four ways that white feminists exhibit white fragility in continuing to downplay the silence of women of color's rage at racism. Number one, crying. When white women in a combination of our gender socialization as well as our white fragility grow up with a message that crying can get us out of situations pulled over by a cop, apparently if you're a white woman you can avoid more severe repercussions by eliciting empathy, empathy through your tears. Meanwhile, black women like Sandra Blonde haven't had that luxury, to put it mildly. Being called out for the, our behavior isn't, isn't comfortable or easy, fellow white women. I get that. I've been there as both someone committed uh, both when someone committed to social justice and people pleaser, it's absolutely getting to me to realize that I've done something wrong and that and not as thoughtful as I could be. However, the moment of realizing we harmed others is not about us. Making it about us actually upholds racism because we're allowed allowing our own emotions to take center stage over the truths of those we've negatively impacted. Uh, number two, focus on intent versus impact. Oh, this is a big one. Too. Well, I didn't mean it that way. Right. Um, when called out for participating in, in or enabling racism, as all white women have done in our lives to different degrees uh, by virtue of being socialized into whiteness and holding racial privilege over other over people of color, white feminists, shocked and embarrassed, will often claim that they weren't intending to do anything racist. They Therefore, they argue that they shouldn't ha be held accountable. Any criticism by a person of color was all a misunderstanding, overreaction, or both. I've had black friends my whole life, a white woman may say. I'm loving person who cares about everyone. You don't know my heart. Or in the case of one white woman that I've experienced, and now I'm speaking in first person, not in the article, when she made a comment, um, let's see, it was a room full of people of color, and she was leaving to use the bathroom, and she made a comment saying, oh, should I leave my purse? Or will, it, will somebody steal something? Does that ring a bell to you at all? <laughs> what? Who wrote this? I said I'm speaking from pers first person now. Oh, okay. Experience. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> when a white woman did such a thing. And then her response was like, ah, I just have a weird sense of humor. I didn't mean anything. It was a misunderstanding. You know what I'm talking right. about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. intentions are important after all they're at the core part of a person's character however intentions don't always translate into how our actions come across when we wound others that wounding matters depending uh despite having it not meant to do so when white feminists dismiss how their actions have imp impacted women of color we're not doing the hard work necessary for solidarity building and authentic human conne connection across differences Taking accountability for how we uphold racism, even if we didn't mean to uphold it, is the only way to move forward and do our job in dismantling white supremacy. Number three, upholding colorblindness. I don't see race. Why should you? I don't know why my ignorant people have a southern accent. They just do. <laughs> this is common white refrain in responding to the reality of racism. The ideology of colorblindness is something most white women, white people grow up with, often ironically as the way of thinking they're being racially respectful. If we took past race to see people as individuals, 
were winning at this whole anti-racist thing, right? If we look past. Um, in the words of Pat Parker in the 1978 poem, for the white person who wants to know how to be my friend, the first thing you do is forget that I'm black. The second, you must for never forget that I'm black. Seeing people in their complexity versus only as versus only as their racial background is important at the same time racism exists and people of color are poorly treated as a result to ignore race as white feminists have far, far too long done is to ignore out ongoing reality it does nothing to intervene with white supremacy in addition as a white person ignore the reality of race is a testament to equating differences with something negative or off-putting um tone policing I've seen so many discussions, white women telling, uh, I've seen so too many discussions, white women telling women of color that maybe they have a point, but it's hard to listen because said women of color aren't delivering their truth as a soft, palatable way as the white woman would prefer. You're making it harder for white people to listen to you when you act so angry. Women of color's anger is just as valid as white women's. White women do you white women do you have do you accept the idea uh, that our rage should be toned down when we express it to men should we always be nice after a lifetime of sexual harassment or intrusion feeling unsafe and self-hating in our own bodies and constantly picked apart by society if your answer is hell no then why would you expect differently from women of color women of color especially black and latino women are already subjected to racist and misogynist stereotypes in a society that make it harder for them to assert themselves in distressing situations and be treated seriously the angry black woman or the spitfire latina tropes reinforce the idea that the groups of women are inherently too much emotionally and casting women of color as irrational and playing the race card white supremacy can continue unabated why add the oppression white women that why add that oppression white women if any of us are going to move forward and build the equitable world we deserve we must be willing to embrace ra radical humility and empathy maintaining an air of defensiveness and self-righteousness righteousness when confronted with our wrongdoings will never heal anyone's soul or promote a better society white women we can do better there's no better time than today to then examine yourselves ourselves honestly and change our actions our sisters of color deserve better. So, white women, that's three things you can do. Stop the crying. Focus on impact instead of intent. Don't be colorblind. And stop tone policing. Yep, I, I agree. I agree. Totally. I, and, you know, I, we always want to be good allies, whether we're allies to uh, communities of color, to um minority groups to you know because we all have privilege somewhere so these are great for anybody who wants to be an ally to any any marginalized group yeah and I, the tone one i think is is a big one in that i mean you and i have both probably been told that oh yeah in our, in our time. time i know i have why and, are you so angry right or you need to yeah. flex your style you need to learn yeah. to flex your style Right. right. And like, for me, I've never been I've never had that said to me because I already learned mm. like it's not like something that, you know, I, uh, that was something I learned. Yeah. That I yeah. had to learn. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and like I said, it's a journey. Everything's a journey. How we uh, how we assimilate. It's a journey. Yeah. 
So if you can just work on those four things, women, and I mean just men, men too. But those are those are ones that are generally a, a, a prevalent in the white feminist movement. Is is these these things the color blinding the colorblind thing? That's like across the board, but yeah. the the crying definitely is is more typical to the white women um, situation and. Um, yeah, so that's what we want to do here. What do you bring to the table? Yep. Add, just offer resources, offer support. We're yep. here to help you learn along your journey. We're here just doing a job. <laughs> yep, as we're learning too. So we just learned. We can say behind the eight ball. Behind the eight ball is okay. It's okay. To 80, get Shanghai is not okay. 80, 20, despite 80, my co-hosts <laughs> believing it is okay. <laughs> so well, we, we teach. Thank you for listening as always. Um, yeah. uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate the support. We appreciate you sharing uh, stories with us. Um, and, you know, if you are out there and you're a white person and you are trying to get people around you to wake up, Send them an episode of our podcast. Yeah. And for say, sure. hey, this is this these are two women that are telling it like it is, trying to get some education out there and you know, spread the news. And for all of those other um white allies that I've seen come out and in full force, you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Amen it, to it, that. It, it makes me very happy that people are saying it out on Facebook. Mm -hmm. They're outing themselves, um, you know, with support. And that helps uh, me as a woman of color. Yep. Um, that helps. Yeah. That, that definitely helps me feel like I'm not nuts. Um, like I do have support from, you know, from people. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, for sure. Thank yeah, you. I, I agree with that because I will say that I have, um, I notice, I notice who's posting what and who's not posting and who's saying what and that, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm keeping score. I am. I'm keeping yeah. score because I, you know, we, we talk about safety and, uh, and this boils down to safety for people of color and especially black people is that we yeah. have to know where we're going to be is a safe is safe. I mean, nothing is ever really safe, right? No. But we no. have to at least know what we're dealing with. It, yeah. You know, if we roll into, you know, a, a, a neighborhood, a town, or wherever, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, and well, I, I went down a, a couple weeks ago and participated in a um, rally down in Lebanon. And, you know, afterwards, there's a lot of talk back and forth on their page about the Lebanon, one of the Lebanon community pages, and... um there was a lot of focus on, well, this is Lebanon and we don't have that problem here, right? Right. Or even from some, honestly, from some people of color saying they didn't, you know, they don't really experience what some of the global or the, you know, national level folks are saying. Which is nice. Yeah, thank goodness. But yeah. my issue and what I've said is that's great for you. But when I choose to drive through your community with my black husband how do I know he'll be treated the same? I don't. Right. Because he's right. an outsider. He's not known. Because when you're looking at a town like, well, even this Bethel, right? 2,000 people, yeah. 13 black people. Everybody knows, probably knows who they are, right? Right. So that carries a social capital with them, right? Of right. not potentially being harmed by the police. So 
the same happens in smaller communities is that, yeah, some of the people of color, are they get known and they're, you know, maybe they're, they don't have any issues or they're really, you know, well known in the community because they own a business or, you know, they're the star athlete on the, the football team. So or maybe it's just the town that really does embrace. Right. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not going there because I've lived in that <laughs> area. Saying, I don't know. But That's my point. That, that to me is like, it's not just about the people that live in your town. It's the people that travel through your town. It's the people that maybe want to relocate to a smaller community because they're sick of the traffic and the rat race of the city. Right. Yeah. So it's about, it's about everyone. So I'm paying attention to people waking up and I also appreciate it. And I appreciate seeing it and I appreciate the efforts being made. Right. And and I kind of talked about this earlier. I don't know if we, I don't think I was on mic uh, when I brought it up, but um, at least myself, I can only speak to myself that um, I'm very uh, cautious. And I say cautious uh, as I make new friends that are white. Yeah. And when I say cautious, it's, uh, it's not hate. It's not distrust. Well, it's just cautious because as a woman of color, I've been in situations where, you know, something extremely ignorant is said. And um, that then with that comes, you know, the whole safety thing. Now right. I'm either going to have to defend it. And then this is when you get called, you know, angry. Why are you so sensitive? it was in the past mm -hmm. or, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. All of those things that uh, basically tells me that my experience really is a falsehood. Yeah. Um, and so nobody wants that. Like I, I would love to just enjoy every part of my life um, and not have to worry about is the person in front of me who I really like, who has, you know, we have a great connection um, do they really see me as me or is it, uh, you know, they see me as somebody trying to assimilate into their culture right. and, you know, and that I'm doing a good job in assimilating. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, so I, I, I would love to just one day not have to feel that, like yeah. not have to feel like, oh, mm -hmm. is this going to turn out? Is it, mm -hmm. you know, how is this going to be? If I have a, a conversation about, you know, George Floyd, right? What am I going to get? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so absolutely. You know, that's just my three cents. I'll, I agree with your three cents. So, until next time, thanks for listening. Nos vemos. Adios. Daisy, Daisy, what's your safe word? What's your safe word, Daisy?